Andy Johnson. This is the Reading Instruction Show. Today I'm going to talk about a bit of research I have conducted or was conducting out in a school related to struggling readers. But first, a little bit of an overview, shall we? In our current educational system, standardized tests are used to assess the quality of the student product as they move along the 13-year conveyor belt within the educational factories, commonly known as schools. Now, students whose test scores fall below a certain percentile ranking are thought to have a disability. So what happens? Additional standardized tests are given to them by standardized testing experts to confirm or diagnose the cause of the disability. Very much like a disease, a special standardized treatment is prescribed for this disability. These students are then sent off to special ed world. This is a purgatorial special place, apart from the general education classroom, where students are given the prescribed special treatment by special treatment experts. In the segregated setting of special ed world, the special treatment experts implement the special treatment with fidelity. However, one of the many problems with special ed world as currently configured is that once students become entangled in the special ed machinery, they are lost forever. They rarely return. Now, this study that I conducted examines four interconnecting elements within special ed world. Reading instruction, data-resistant theoretical constructs, paradynamic parochialism regarding what is considered scientifically-based research, and then manipulative approaches to teaching reading. So first, reading instruction. The first element of this study that I conducted used mixed method, single subject design, to examine the impact of a neurocognitive reading intervention on the word recognition skills and reading fluency of two fourth grade students who were struggling readers. Qualitative content analysis was used to examine changes in the number and types of reading miscues made by participants over the course of this study. Fluency rates and word identification scores were also documented. This study, uh, in this study, data collected showed four things, and this study was interrupted, of course, by the uh, uh, COVID virus thing, but it, before that, it was showing four things. First, both participants made significant gains in reading fluency rates. Second, the participants made small but steady improvements in word recognition scores. Third, there have been changes in the types of reading miscues made by these participants. And fourth, the data provided in this study provided clear evidence of the brain's three cueing systems, the semantic, syntactic, and phonological. This data can only be explained in the context of the neurocognitive model of reading. In this model, reading is understood to be an interactive set of reciprocating cognitive processes used to create meaning with print. Now, this theoretical model stands in contrast to the phonological processing model 
of reading. Now, this model is predominant in the field of special education, and I can never understood why this is so in spite of all the data that supports a neurocognitive construct. So, the second part of this study, the second element, reframed the issue of effective reading instruction within the context of the predominant theoretical constructs in the field of special education. To identify these as they relate to reading instruction, a qualitative content analysis was used to examine reading research articles published in two major special education research journals over the last five years. I looked at all of these. Now, this analysis showed that despite a wealth of varying types of research data from a wide range of sources supporting a neurocognitive model of reading, in these journals that I looked at, the singular theoretical construct used to understand reading and guide reading research within the field of special education was the phonological processing model, what James Hoffman calls the simple view of reading. Here, reading is understood to be merely sounding out words. Now, why is this important? Theoretical models are the lens through which phenomena are viewed and interpreted. However, clinging too tightly to a singular theoretical model can constrain the type of research undertaken, limit the research questions asked, constrict the type of data collected, and restrictively influence how data are interpreted. And with the thickening of the lens, the theory becomes increasingly data-resistant. Thereafter, only data that supports the theory are considered valid. New data falling outside the theoretical model are either ignored or forced into a reductively inflexible box. In this way, the continued growth and evolution of the field is stymied. This appears to be what has occurred in the field of special education as demonstrated by the unquestioning fealty to the phonological processing model that serves to render irrelevant or non-existent a wealth of research data collected from a variety of fields. Now, this wouldn't be problematic if the field was successful in helping struggling readers. However, this isn't the case. A body of research shows that in special education programs for learning disability, students rarely experience accelerated reading once they begin special education services. So the third part of this study was research paradigms. This examined, I examined, paradynamic parochialism as it relates to research methods within the field of special education. Data collected through the content analysis revealed an over-reliance on a single type of research method to the exclusion of all other types of research. This research paradigm reflects an outdated Newtonian mechanistic paradigm used to understand and come to know reality. Here things exist only to the extent to which they can be quantified. 
controlled experimental research is the exclusive and epistemologically, epistemologically privileged way of determining causality and making claims as to what constitutes knowledge. Measuring is equated with knowing by which the illusion of certainty is constructed. This paradynamic parochialism was further confirmed by an examination of the Council of Exceptional Children's Standards for Evidence-Based Practice. The CEC is the major professional organization within the field of special education. This organization has declared that only quantified data gleaned from highly controlled experimental designs are worthy of determining which pedagogical practices are evidence-based. Only quantitative data, only quantitative data from highly controlled experimental designs. The exclusive use of these methods to the exclusion of all other ways of seeing and knowing is detrimental to the field. The same research methods used to study the physical world in the artificial confines of a controlled laboratory setting are the only methods, the only methods that are used to study and make causal assertions about human beings in real-world educational settings. This methodological incarceration, methodological incarceration, creates a narrow and distorted view of the very educational reality it seeks to examine. The result is a paradynamic peephole through which a complex world is observed. Now, this is in contrast with a holistic postmodern paradigm, which includes systems theory and an interconnected view of an unfolding universe based on quantum physics. Here, it's recognized that any single part or any variable can only be understood within the context of the whole. Reality is not comprised of fragmented parts, but of self organizing systems that are both interactive and interdependent. All elements within this holistic reality are understood in terms of patterns, connections, interconnections, and relationships, all of which influence each other. The research paradigm that emerges here includes a variety of methods that fully examine reality. This examination includes an extension to the process as well as the product in coming to fully understand phenomena. In this context, certainty is never achieved. Instead, uncertainty is reduced. Uncertainty is reduced. Now, the fourth element of this study examined the interconnections between research paradigms and instructional practices within the field of special education. Now, the CEC has identified 22 high leverage practices, air quotes, in special education. The term high leverage is interesting because it reflects the mechanistic research paradigm in which cause-effect relationships are converted into stimulus-response instructional techniques. In much the same way a mouse is leveraged into pressing a bar in a Skinner box, students are leveraged 
or manipulated into producing predetermined behaviors that represent measurable learning objectives. Learning is said to have occurred when students display the appropriate behavioral response to an instructional stimuli. Now, in special education world, special ed world, a teaching algorithm called direct instruction is the predominant tool used to leverage students towards measurable objectives. While direct instruction has been shown to be effective for learning low-level skills, it is extremely ineffective for developing high-level thinking, for understanding complex concepts, and for acquiring sophisticated skills. The subsequent problem is that students in special ed world are force-fed an interminable array of mind-numbing lessons that use direct instruction to teach low-level concepts and skills. As a result, these students have few opportunities to participate in activities that would enable them to develop complex thinking and develop understanding, a deeper understanding of the world. You do not have to control any variables to understand that if only low-level skills are taught, only low-level learning occurs. Thus, in special ed world, the myth of learning disability is perpetuated by the very system designed to make it go away. The predominant use of direct instruction leveraging practices used in special ed world stands in contrast to a wide array of pedagogical practices based on the more complex understanding of human learning that has emerged from fields outside of special education. Here it's recognized that learning is a natural and innate human condition. As such, learning disabilities do not exist. In fact, much of what has been labeled a learning disability is actually a learning certain things disability or a learning in certain ways disability, or an educational systems disability. So, my conclusion, there is a malfunction in the current educational machinery. Students inserted into this machinery are subjected to constant quantifying, ranking, sorting, labeling, segregating, and leveraging. These dehumanizing practices are especially detrimental to inhabitants of special ed world as they keep them from achieving their full social, emotional, and intellectual potential. The malfunction will not be fixed by trying to install yet another research-based pedagogical part or trying to tinker with the existing machinery. These simplistic solutions to a deeper more, these are simplistic solutions to a deeper, more complex problem. Change will occur only if and to the degree in which the field is able to move away from the restrictive theoretical constructs and parochial paradigms that have stymied the natural evolution of the field. Towards this end, we need to reimagine a more expansive view of humans, human learning, research, and reality.